Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Life on Course. Sorry I didn't get out an episode last week to all the millions of people that uh, listen to this. Um, it's been a crazy last four weeks, just filled with a bunch of highs and lows. Um, but I want to trade the experiences that I've had in those four weeks. I think that I've grown up as a person tremendously in the last four weeks. Um, we started out in Laredo, played decent golf there, and then we went to TBC San Antonio, and the whole team really just struggled, and so we were all just kind of down on ourselves, um, especially me. I felt like my game wasn't in the right spot going into Canada Q School the next week, um, so I was trying my best just to stay calm and confident in myself and just go out and play fun and play and have fun and enjoy it. Um, and I played great at the Q school in Alabama. Uh, I came in third. I'm going to have status on PJ Tour Canada this summer. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and just the new experiences. I've never been to Canada before. Um, so I think that will be great. And then we just got back a couple days ago from Austin. We played at UT Golf Club in another tournament. Um, and we didn't do very good, and it was kind of disappointing, but at the same time, I think that this was a great learning experience for us as a team and for me personally. Um, for me, playing four straight weeks, I learned a lot about what I need to do to prepare um, when, you know, a bunch of tournaments happen in a row, how I can rest mentally and physically. Um, I don't think that I did a great job of it this this go around. I think that it's tough to have like quality sleep and stuff like that when you're you know, traveling so much, staying in just different places, different beds. Well, it's just hard to get comfortable. Um, so different things like that. And then or as a team, I think that we're going to be a lot better in the future because of the struggles that we're having now. Um, that's the mindset that I'm going to take. I think everyone on the team is going to take that. Um, and I think that we're going to be successful because of it. And, you know, I think we have another tournament in three weeks. So we had got a little bit of time to figure it all out and stay positive and relax mentally um, while we're off the golf course to get prepared. Because um, the last four weeks was... For me, I was just, it was a crazy four weeks. That's, that's all I can really say. Um, I'm glad to be home, have a couple weeks off, work on my game, and you know, enjoy the basketball coming up. It's going to be fun. Baylor's playing well, and I'm really excited about that. So the, I'm interviewing Colin Cobert today. He is my roommate. He's going to, while I interview him, he's going to be about 20 feet from me in his own room. Um, but we've been, we've turned into best friends this semester or this year for that matter. Um, we weren't always great friends. We would struggle um, the first couple years as we were both kind of battling for the fifth spot on the team to travel. And uh, over time, I think that we both just grew up, realized that our friendship is way more than golf and that golf, it's just what we do, but we, 
are just great friends, love hanging out, doing things together. And I think that you guys will find this interview really interesting. So thank you all for listening. A 4.0 student, two-time winner of the NCAA Elite 90 Award for having the highest GPA among all NCAA golfers, two-time medalist in college, 2015 state champion at South Lake Carroll, a match play assassin, and my future lawyer, Mr. Colin Cover. Hello, Ryan. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right, we're going to start off this by having a little segment, a little South Lake segment. All right. Who's your favorite athlete to come out of South Lake? I mean, it's pretty tough, but I'm going to have to go with Chase Daniels. Uh, he was a killer at Southlake, led us in a state championship. Then he was really good at uh, Missouri. And then just watching him rack up millions of dollars while being a backup quarterback. I mean, that's kind of like the dream for every guy mm -hmm. is just to be a leader, but not have to do much work. It's pretty cool for him. <laughs> so why, why are y'all better than everyone? What, what's, the, what's the secret? Well, I guess there's an article that came out in uh, the Dallas Magazine one year. I think this was when I was in fifth grade. Made a lot of people angry, but came out and said, Southlake is bigger, stronger, and sexier than your kids. And, uh, you know, some things are true, some things aren't. Uh, I think there's a culture in Southlake that we have this thing called protective tradition, and we all are dragons from the elementary school all the way to high school where um, we all wear the same logos. Uh, you see in a lot of school districts that, like, uh, say, as middle school, there are Colts, and then in high school, their first year, they're Broncos, and then eventually there's something else. Um, with Southlake, you're always a dragon. Everyone's always a dragon. Um, and I think that's a big thing that kind of goes into is just the culture. Um, obviously, we've been lucky with a lot of good athletes in football, and whenever your football program is really good, then pretty much every other athletic department kind of falls in line with that, so... I think that's the reason that South Lake Carroll's been pretty good over the years in sports. Yeah, but a uh, tough loss for y'all at State this year. Uh, I mean, it wasn't that tough. It's another South Lake uh, alumni that won. All right, let's get into Baylor. Why did you choose to come to Baylor? Yeah, I mean, when I started looking at schools, I really just wanted to play for a, a coach that knew a lot about the PGA Tour and how to get people developed and uh, – to take me to the next level and so that was the biggest thing um so i took a visit here just to meet with coach mcgraw hear about his stories um learn a little bit more about the game overall just by taking the visit and i i kind of fell in love with the place when i got on campus like the people here are just it's truly a different it's a different field than a lot of schools it's a little smaller um but it's highly competitive i think the the baylor family brand is is pretty cool um, got a lot of professors that care about you. Um, just a lot of people in the athletic department that care about you. And uh, yeah, just playing for Coach McGraw was the main reason that I came to Baylor. Yeah, he's a great coach. Who is, or what is your favorite college tournament? Oof. Gosh, there's so many good college tournaments. Uh, my favorite one's definitely probably Cabo Collegiate. Uh, it's probably a lot of people's favorite. It's just an unreal experience to be able to fly in, in, into a different country and play. And BA takes such good care of us there. For the people that don't know, BA is a, um, 
a person who just helps a lot of college golfers and then uh, future professional golfers get to the next level. She um, gets us all nice dinners every every night at the Cabo. They take care, amazing care of us. Uh, the golf courses are incredible. I mean, I, you can say so yourself. It's a pretty good experience when you say. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, even this year when we weren't able to go to Cabo, she still found TPC San Antonio, still did everything amazing. And I mean, for not being able to go to Cabo, it was still incredible. Like all yeah. the hard work she put in, she probably put more hard work in this year, just being able to make the tournament happen. And she still did an amazing job. It's a pretty cool feeling too when you're, uh, you know, you finish up the tournament and you go back to your, normally would be a hotel and now instead you're at this incredible house or home or whatever you want to call it that's right on the beach with putt putt and you're just like wow this is the life i mean unbelievable experience but you get a lot of those in college golf for sure yeah i remember the uh little apartment high rise that we stayed in two years ago uh the guy who owns it he was like pointing at different apartments like yeah lebron james owns that one like peyton manning owns that one i mean it was just incredible kevin hart don't leave out kevin hart kevin hart as well yep and then, so kind of something a little not as positive here, but we weren't always, you know, the best of friends. And then it seems like this year, you know, it's kind of changed. We've gotten along great, spend a lot of time together. Uh, how has your experience kind of been through that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I guess for people that don't know, I kind of got into golf a little late. So I didn't really grow up playing golf with you. So I didn't know much about you. But uh, obviously, I had a lot of respect because I saw your name on top of a lot of leaderboards um, in junior golf and thought you were a quiet kid. So I didn't really know you much about you. And then I get to Baylor and heard you're going to SMU. Then you weren't going to SMU. Then you <laughs> know, Baylor, which we were excited for. And, uh, you know, that first year, I think you were kind of a quiet guy. And I kind of stayed to myself at times, too. So. Uh, we were battling for that fifth spot, and it's really tough when, you know, in our sport, you can't really just cheer for your teammates at all points because they're taking your spot too. Yeah. And learning to handle how to like be a great friend off the golf course and support, you know, you as a friend more than just being like your competitor. That's an important lesson for like I feel like young college golfers. I mean, we both had to learn it. But I think something that was kind of interesting is when I finally, when it was all said and done and I lost the last qualifier to you, I texted you, hey man, I want you to go win this tournament. I hope you show that me and you are not the, you know, the bottom of the litter. Like I hope you show that that five spots just important as a one spot. And I think that was a big growing moment for both of us. It's just like, you know, as much as we battle, it's also good if you lose a battle, but the person you lose to plays good. So it makes you look a little better too. And, uh, yeah, and then we got the room together this, this year and, um, uh, we actually kind of handle our business very similar We're we kind of keep to ourselves. We have our process. Um, we're really just kind of quiet guys that don't, don't get stirred the pot too much. So, uh, I think that's why, uh, our, our friendship has grown over the years. Yeah. I think we're known on the team as kind of the boring people on the team. Yeah. I, mean, I like to think it's sometimes fun, but. You know, the older you get, I guess the more boring you get, too. Yeah. Who is the luckiest golfer that you know? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> the 
growing up, I used to literally yell at Mason Greenberg at Vanderbilt because he grew up at Southwick with me, and I, he would hit the ball, and I swear he was going to go OB, and it would just hit a sprinkler head and go on the green or hit a, hit a house window and come back in the fairway. And I'll never forget, we were at the Timberon AJG, our home course, and he's like, he ended up having a lead or he was tied to the lead with me after the first round. He's like, I played horrible today. I was like, I mean, shot 500, it's not that bad. He's like, no, you don't understand. Like, I got so lucky. Uh, and I was like, oh, no, here it comes. He's like, on hole three, I is part par three, like 190 yards. He goes, I dead chunked a shot. Like, legitimately, it carried about 100 yards, lands on a sprinkler head, and goes to a foot. And I was just like, oh, that's the total Mason Greenberg story of the century. And uh, so I'd say Mason Greenberg, but then you meet Cooper Dossie and you're like, man, this kid's just as lucky. Uh, he likes to say he's talented in the trees, but I think he's visited the trees so many times that it's just so like, you're going to get lucky when you're in the trees that much. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, Cooper's on the pod last time, and you guys were just giving each other shade. I love it. Well, I mean, we also got to point out here, you're a pretty lucky golfer because, and I know you want me to tell you it's you. Here we go. Here we go. Here's a great story that you told me. You're in your PGA Tour uh, Q school, just grinding along, you know, taking numbers, beating people down. Uh, it's easy Ryan grind around, 18 greens, you know, 27 putts, whatever. But then you get to, like, the 16th hole – and you snap your driver into the trees. What hole was it exactly? Yeah, it was 15. It was just typical Ryan stuff, just hitting in the trees as well. All right, hitting the trees. And, you know, you got your dad on the bag, and Greg's just trying to get you in the fairway. And there's a small tree in your way. You got all the room in the world, and you say you're going to aim at this small tree. And as long as you don't hit it dead straight, you'll be fine. Well, sure enough, you hit it dead straight, but you didn't deliver into the tree. The wind takes it just offline, and you end up with your card. And you know you're a lucky man for that. I just want you to know that. I'm very happy for you, but you're a lucky man. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love it. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it was lucky. It was very lucky. I aimed right at a small tree and barely missed it. And it was the difference in having a cart or not. It is the difference, but I'm glad it didn't hit. I'm telling you. <laughs> what does the word killer mean to you? Wow. I know you like to use this word a lot, so. I think being a killer, if we're going more serious now here, I think being a killer, it's something that you can't, obviously there's the, the, the bad use of the word killer, I mean like murder and stuff, but we're taking that away. If you're a killer in sports, it's something that's just in you. Um, it's hard to train. It's hard to something bring out. Like you either are a killer or you're not. Um, and I think I joke about it a lot, but like it, it, you see it in people's daily lives, like how do they drive a car? Are they passive? Are they aggressive? How do they um, approach practice? Are they, you know, intense in their practice? Are they intense in their study of school? Are they intense on, you know, when they're watching a basketball game and it's their team playing, are they intense? Are they, do they have that killer drive? But the most important thing with a killer is at the end of the day when, you know, it's the last shot or the last putt or whatever it is. It, the killer is the person who just makes the putt or makes a shot. And um, it's something that it's hard to like train. There's just killers out there and there's not killers, but you can definitely bring it out. I think all of us have a little bit in it that we don't know of ourselves, I guess. Yeah. And who, 
who is that person that you look up to as being the killer? I mean, the biggest killer, and it's not a sports person, it's definitely my dad. Um, he grew up in Western Kansas. Uh, I mean, I have to say my mom too. She, I mean, she grew up similar conditions. And uh, But starting with my dad, he uh, he grew up in tough conditions. He grew up farming and always said is he's going to be an attorney one day just so he can bring about a better life for his kids. And, I mean, he worked multiple jobs, uh, went to – you know, the law school that he could afford and uh, just worked his way up the ranks. And he gave, you know, my family a great opportunity to have success and to play the sport that I love. And he supports me with that. But just day in and day out, I just see that killer drive that he's still, he's 63 and he still wakes up saying that he's going to go after and, you know, take it to the 25, 28 year old lawyer. Like he's got as much energy, as much drive, as, as much desire as he did when he was 18 years old. And I see that with my mom just as well. I don't know if it's a Western Kansas thing or not, but she grew up, she played all, all her sports on the men's teams. Like she played basketball against the men. Um, and I, I just think growing up around killers, um, those two are the ones that I probably look up to. Yeah. And so what does it feel like to be just smarter than everyone? I mean, I know that you think it, I can see it going on in your head. You're like, I'm, I don't know if you're judging people, but you just know that you're so much smarter than every single person. So, like, how, how does that feel? Well, first, I, I think I have to take a stance here. I don't think I'm smarter than anyone in the world. <laughs> um, I do definitely have this. I like to analyze every situation. And whenever uh, someone says something, I don't just take it as fact. I like to think about it. Um, decide if that's actually a valid conclusion that someone's making. Um, a perfect example is Brandon Hoff on our team. He likes to just say whatever he's thinking, and he can tell you that the earth is flat and totally think it, that what he is saying is correct. And if you're not smart enough to realize, all right, maybe what he's saying is not true, um, I'm going to sit there and decipher it and definitely probably give you looks before I come to the same conclusion. Um, I think smarts, it's, it's a different thing. Like, I work really hard in school. Like I put in the hours, you've seen it rooting with me. Um, so I, I do have confidence in my like study smarts. And I think that's just like the same thing as an athlete who puts a lot of hours working. Like if you practice a lot, you're going to be confident, confident in how you play. If you prepare hard, like you're going to be ready in anything you do. So I, I do have like confidence in like my accounting studies or my tax studies, whatever you want to call it. But uh, when it comes to IQ smarts, there's definitely a lot of people that are smarter than me. But, uh, I mean, I wish I was the smartest in the room. That'd be kind of cool. And you're probably the smartest at Baylor. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, you probably are. So what is the best part about Waco? The best part about Waco? Well, there's a new thing in Waco called Hawk's Chicken. Yes, sir. I'm not really a big fried chicken person, but this thing is, it's a certified slapper. I mean, it's good. Certified slapper. It slaps you. And then, now, if you like hot, It'll slap you down too because Ryan was on his knees begging for milk the other day because he got too much spice. But uh, yeah, Hawks chicken's the best. I'd just say to people, I mean, especially around Baylor, like, gosh, I can't tell you how many like professors have been so nice and like said uh, something about like encouraging about golf or whatnot. Or um, just today, just seeing a doctor today, like the doctor was asking about how golf is and. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a nice environment. It's like a little more low key and family environment. Yeah. 
I think that all the professors know whether you email them or tell them you're going to be gone for a couple of days. They, whenever you get back, they ask how you did, like they really care. And I, mm-hmm. I can't speak for other universities, but I mean, I feel like it's, it's pretty special. Yeah, no, I mean, I, my sister, she played volleyball at Kansas State. So she did, and she studied the same thing that I'm studying right now. And whenever she missed like classes and stuff, they did not really help her as much. Like I know Baylor treats us pretty well. And I've heard it from all of our teammates in all, all different studies that they treat them well, which is it's really nice. Yeah. And uh, how's life with a blue check mark on Instagram? <laughs> I mean, it's good, except a lot of people like to throw shade at me. Uh, you know, it just comes with the territory. <laughs> Whenever uh, someone finds out I have a blue check mark, it's uh, they're always like, "Well, you only have 700 followers. Why do you have blue check mark?" I'm like. Because I like to keep my my circle tight. Doesn't mean I'm not famous. It just means I like my circle tight. I don't know. It's definitely interesting. Good answer. Uh, let's see. How's Bitcoin doing? We we cut now. Right, you kind of cut out there. You said how's Bitcoin doing? Yeah. Oh, well, honestly, it was doing very good just a second ago, and then it tanked again. I mean, it's pretty volatile. Um, for those that don't know, I'm a big Bitcoin believer. Um, you know, you got to buy it at the dips, got to sell at the highs, but uh, I'm going to let it ride. I think it's going to go stonks. I think it's going to go to the moon, and I think uh, it's going to make me a profitable man. <laughs> All right, let's see. Next. Why do we lose every single match that we play together? <laughs> uh, wow. This is tough because people listening, they're going to now know the simple fact that when me and Ryan play together in a match, we play against two other people, we will lose. It doesn't matter if they're 25 handicappers or if it's uh, Tiger Woods, we're probably going to lose. And I don't know why. We think that it's similar because we have similar games and we just like don't feed off each other because we don't, we just do the same thing. Like we both hit fairways, both hit greens, and then we miss the putt. <laughs> we just think that that kind of just like bleeds over into each other. We just start hitting the ball better. We just don't make the putt. Hit the ball better, don't make the putt. And I think it just kind of bleeds into, I mean, that and also people keep dropping 29s on us, best ball, which that's just tough to beat, right? I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, and uh, shout out Ty Ty for having seven birdies in a row at Cordillera. Like, we, we had no chance in that one. I mean, a perfect example is the kid literally makes three birdies in a row. Yeah, and he makes three birdies in a row, and then he says, oh, I can't birdie the fourth. It's just a 230-yard part of three. He's like, there's no way I birdie this one. And sure enough, he birdies the hole. Yep. I mean, I think we're just on a run of bad luck. Maybe we'll flip. It's like Bitcoin. You just got to buy at the lows. We'll, we'll eventually. We'll ride. We'll be fine. <laughs> I just thought um, of this memory before we get into some questions from people on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> hole 13... Yeah, hole 13, the bunker at uh, Houston Oaks. Do you want to uh, share the story of what happened there? Uh, is it, were we playing TCU? Is that who we were playing? I don't even remember who we were playing, but I just remember the bunker shot you hit. It was. Yeah, it's a par three, and uh, Penn was kind of like in the front areas, and I was about like 25, shoot, 25 yards short right in this bunker. Not the best lie. Honestly, very tough bunker shot. Like and, uh, you should have had no chance to make par. That's all. Yeah, probably, no, 
probably no chance, but we were playing match play. So like for calling match play, like I was I was probably gonna get up and down. Um match play assassin. Yeah. And so uh my uh playing partner hits a great bunker shot from where he was to like 12 feet. He's he's happy now. He was already down the match. But I was like, ah, I gotta I gotta end this match soon. So I just hit the most nippy little buttery shot in there at about six inches. And Ryan just starts laughing. What did you say? You go, yeah, I don't even remember. You're just like classic. <laughs> yeah, I was like, ha, 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 Like, it was just like the most savage shot I've ever seen. Because, I mean, I think you were up like five in the match with like, you were up five through nine or something like that. You're yeah. just absolutely destroying this guy. And he thought he had a chance to win this hole. And you just said, nope. No, I'm I'm gonna win this one, and I think you won it. And it was just it was a tough look for him. It was, but it was fun. It was also fun. That was one time we played in the same group and we both won, so that that was good too. Yeah. All right, our favorite segment: questions from Twitter. I know you're looking forward to this. <laughs> <laughs> so at DoorDash. Uh, they say, Colin, our favorite customer. Is there anything we can help you with? I mean, I guess I hit a new low with DoorDash. So I broke my foot. And so I haven't really been able to, like, kind of mobilize as much as I want to. <laughs> and so while y'all were gone, I wanted a smoothie and I wanted, what I, I wanted a smoothie and, like, a chicken sandwich from Jersey Mike's. And so I didn't know you could order two dashes at once. And so I just tried it and it worked. And they both arrived at the same time, the dashers. And that was probably so awkward because it says Colin Cope, like says this name on the bag. And they're like, wow, this first order is from two people. But now I have an excuse with the foot where I like have an excuse why I use DoorDash so much. So I mean, free DoorDash for a life would be nice, DoorDash. Yeah, if they're listening, uh, yeah. sponsor Colin Cope when he turns pro. That'd be nice. Uh, next one comes from at bu accounting underscore timmy tom he says will you stop emailing me i'm about to kick you out of the business school i think this uh professor thomas i think he got confused with travis um our other teammate who always is emailing him questions but professor thomason is a perfect example of baylor professors who just go above and beyond what's necessary i mean literally always answering emails even late at night just keeping us on track keeping us uh, going and i definitely think tim tom's going to be happy when we uh, graduate and move on yeah he's going to miss y'all but maybe not too much yeah probably uh next one comes from at foreigner dash two car garage it's a two-part question he said what is the best investment you have ever made so not necessarily in the stock market, but just in life. Wow. That seems kind of deep. I know. He asked me this one during the uh, practice round, and I, it took me a couple holes to get the answer. What's the best investment I've ever made? Wow. And Coach Mick, if you're listening, I got you. Best investment I've ever made. I mean, probably the best investment I ever made was probably going back to like eighth grade 
I hurt my shoulder in baseball and I couldn't play baseball anymore. So I was like looking for something to do that wouldn't like hurt my shoulder. So I invested in some golf clubs, nice <laughs> ignites. I remember them. They were like, I didn't want to play the US kids clubs. I refused to play US kids clubs. They were too small. So I got these like Nike ignites and they were like in the middle. And man, I peered those things. And that was probably the best investment because it got me really excited about golf. It was like the Nike phase where Tiger Woods was just killing it on the circuit and uh, really got me going into golf. So I'd say that's probably my best investment. Also, I got a shout out for Microvision. I'm going from a dollar to $20 when I sold it on the stock market. It definitely went stocks on me. Good answer. And his next question of the two-parter, it's kind of windy out today. Uh, do you think the weather is okay to play golf in? Uh, I mean, I don't want to wish bad things on Coach McKell. He's a great coach. But one day, I hope he's, you know, making his, his team play in a horrible conditions. And, you know, there's a little lightning out there. And he just steps on a little light, like a little rod, and it just zaps his foot just a little. So he knows it's not safe to play when there's lightning out there. Because that man believes that you can play through anything. <laughs> That's all I got for that question. Uh, next one comes from at Ursa Complex. They said, uh, please don't sue us. <laughs> Ursa's been great to me, except uh, their stairs kind of took me for a tumble the other day and broke my foot. But, you know, so I've lived here for four years. I had a lot of good memories here. I won't sue them. Okay. Here first. They'll be happy to hear that when they listen. Yep. Uh, last question comes from at the purple Monty. He says, or he asks, What's your favorite type of cookies? I mean, listen here, guys. I mean, the best cookies in the world are uh, these chocolate chip cookies from Shady Oaks. I mean, they're incredible. I mean, these, these cookies, I tell you what, I mean, they're, they're incredible. I mean, I, I just want you to know, right, that, uh, you know, you're a big red man, but I tell you what, you'll love these cookies. I know you're a granola guy, but just eat me some cookies. So uh, chocolate chip uh, chocolate. Chunk cookies at Shady Oaks are my favorite, if you didn't catch that. <laughs> okay, good to know. Awesome. Thank you, Colin. Thank you for coming on, and thank you for your time. And I uh, hope your foot heals quickly. Thank you, sir. I'll see you soon. See ya. Bye.